In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage and Pierre Lebrun in Toronto, Ontario. How are you doing, my friend? Are you ready to roll this? I, I can't tell you how excited I am for this episode. Yes, I was just, well, you beat me to it as usual. You, you, so you tried to ask a question and answer it as usual, <laughs> right off the top. No, this is special, uh, the two guests that we have on here. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I've been excited ever since we uh, were able to nail this down yesterday. So let's get it going. All right. Well, it's, uh, we've built up the suspense, but now here we are joined by Akim Aliou and Matt Dumba, the two of the founders of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. And uh, Akim and Matt, thank you for coming and joining Pierre and I today. It's a real treat. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's great. Well, Akeem, let's let's start with you, if, if it's all right, and maybe just walk us through how you guys, it's a seven-member group, how did how you came to be, how it came to pass that you developed this group, and maybe what next? What what's uh, what are the the main goals for you guys moving forward? Oh, that's funny. You said it came to pass. I have that tattooed on my uh, shoulder going into my <laughs> chest. That's my favorite saying. Um, but yeah, so this has been uh, a while. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. Um, we kind of all got together back in uh, November um, when my original story with, with Bill Peters came out, and um, we started talking. But obviously, that was a that was a tough time. All the guys were playing. Um, um, all the obviously guys in the National Hockey League, and I was just about to leave to, to Europe to play for the season as well. Um, so we continue to talk and continue to keep in touch and um, kind of got together again about three weeks ago um, and started chatting, obviously, with everything going on in society and the unrest and um, obviously the, the tragic death of George Floyd kind of pushed our beliefs that we need to do something uh, as soon as possible um for society and for for the game of hockey as well um so i had honestly the honor i mean every day i kind of i'm thankful to be with the guys that i'm with in this crew um four of those guys i've known for over 10 years um and other guys i just came into contact with recently who i've just had the honor to get to know um, matt's one of them just an amazing young man one of the most explosive and exciting defensemen in our game today um 
so yeah, we got to talking and we just started saying, Hey, what can we do to, um, get help the next generation? Um, a lot of us are obviously Matt's one of the younger guy in our crew, but all of us are either 30 or, or, or above. Um, so we're obviously looking to the next generation and we just, um, we see how much potential the game of hockey has. And that's what we continue to talk about. Um, we feel that it's um, it's a it's a great game, but it's obviously got a lot of flaws, and we just want to make it better for the next next generation. And um, we talked about all of our experiences, and we feel like there isn't anyone better to talk about these things than us. And Akeem, you mentioned that, that Matt is young, and, and Matt, this question's for you. It's Pierre here. Uh, you, you know, being the youngest guy in the group uh, is noteworthy because you know my experience, you know covering the league for a long time is that younger players tend to be quieter on, on, on a lot of things. Um, but this is incredibly important, uh, uh subject, um, you know, and I think it's been amazing, uh, around the game over the last couple of weeks to see, uh, players of different backgrounds speak up, but for you to be part of this, you know, wh- what's, what's it been like to be willing to do this and, and understand that obviously, it, you know, you're, that you're going to be voicing your opinion um, on some really delicate matters moving on here? Um, I think one of the big decisions was um, initially just, just knowing the guys. Uh, you know, a lot of us are friends um, before this, so it made this group um, something that made sense. And, um you know, guys, we've talked a lot over the last uh, couple weeks here. And, you know, just to have guys um, who know each other, who can air stuff out and kind of hash things out over our calls, um, you know, that's been awesome. And then once I heard some stories and we just learned more about uh, what we're trying to do, um, you know, I think Trevor Daly said it best in our group chat. It's just, I, you know, when I lay my head down at night, um, you know, I, I sleep well knowing that we're uh, we're trying to do the right thing and make a difference for uh, the next generation. That's great, Akeem. I'm I'm curious because when you know we're talking about you know changes that is it, it's sometimes hard to get your arms around just how much change needs to go on. And I wonder in your discussion with the the other guys in the group, what's the challenge in really focusing on goals that are attainable? you know, sort of moving forward as opposed to being overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but is there, has that been part of what you guys have started to discuss in these early days is really how to narrow the focus on what exactly you'd like to do in the short term? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we all have um, passions that align, which has made, um, made this a lot easier. Um, we feel like we need to start at the grassroots level and, um, Obviously, this is um, really hits close to home for me because it was it was really difficult for myself and my family growing up um, to to make ends meet to play hockey. Um, obviously, I came here at a later age and obviously lived on uh, welfare for a while and with government assistance. We just didn't have much coming here, um, and we feel that the game eliminates a lot of a lot of potential. Um, maybe superstars or just players in general at an early age because they just can't afford the game. Um, so that's been something we've been talking about quite a bit is just starting at the grassroots level and just having the game available to, to as many kids as possible. And the other things is just having an outlet for kids 
Um, may that be in the GTHL, may that be out west and in minor leagues. Um, and the other game, and the other thing we talk about all the time, and I think me and Dubs obviously feel really um, very strongly about these things, is just to have a personality. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at a guy like Matt Dumba, who kind of has a bright personality and and the choice of music he listens to and, and his look and how outgoing he is, I feel like that's something that could draw kids to play hockey from Alabama, Los Angeles. Like kids from overseas can look at him and relate to him. Um, we feel that right now hockey is kind of looked at as a, a white sport, um, a little bit of maybe an old boys club, and we just want to change the perception the way hockey should be looked at. And I think in doing so, that just attracts so many different uh, cultures and different human beings to playing our game. Mm -hmm. And and Akeem, I think you're, you know, the economic point you made, I made that point last week on this podcast. And I I, I think it's really troubling. I mean, my kids play minor hockey here in Toronto and I I see it firsthand. And, you know, I'm lucky as a, that I can afford it, but not everyone can. And you start getting into the skill sessions and extra this and extra that. And and I tell you what, it doesn't take long. It's like eight, nine years old. You start losing kids just based on that. And and it's getting worse. Like, let's not kid ourselves. In the last 10 years alone, the cost of playing elite hockey, uh, both in the U.S. and Canada, has gone through the roof. And I, I think that's – it's a major, major issue. And it's something I actually feel the NHL should – should be more of a leader on, and, and hopefully that's the case. But that's where I want to get to uh, both Akeem and Matt, if you want to chime in on this. You guys have made a very important decision at the outset with the Alliance. You are an independent body. Um, now, you know, I know, Akeem, you've, you've talked to the league, um, you know, this year. But how do you see that move, working moving forward when you guys have initiatives and thoughts and ideas and things you want to do are you going to want to reach out to, you know, to Kim Davis at the league or, or are you going to play that by ear at this point? Uh, you want, you want myself or Dumbs to say I, I think, that? I think if you both want to chime in on, on that, because I think it's important that it's an independent body. Yeah. Um, I think it was really important for us to, to make clear that we wanted this to be a team effort. Um, we're, we're more than willing and we'd be elated to work with the, with the league. Um, And like I said, we've made that known. Um, We thought it was important for us to be independent in the sort to have a voice. Um, I think a huge thing to us was if you kind of right away go in with the league, um, it's kind of like being part of a large corporation with a huge board. Like sooner or later, you're going to get outvoted on things. Um, So we felt that it was important um, to have our own voice. Um, we're going to obviously reach out to them or, or vice versa on ideas and um, and, and see that, how that goes. But it kind of goes back to my original point. I mean, we have 4,500 NHL games played between uh, the seven of us, and I'm obviously on the low end of that. Um, there, there isn't a better voice to, to express the issues in our game, especially um, when we're talking about race and how to fix our game. So we're, we're really hoping and um, that we can uh, work with them collaboratively on, on fixing some of these issues. Matt, what's your take on that? Because you, you're in an NHL dressing room. What, in terms of the potential relationship with the league moving forward, how important is it, as Akeem mentioned, that, that you guys are a separate body, that you aren't under that umbrella right now? Yeah, um, I think like Akeem said, um, I think it's good to have um, 
that independence from the league just so we can write our own narrative um, through all of this. And um, having said that, yeah, we, we want to work directly with the league. That's our goal. That's the way we reach the most people um, and, can, and can really make the – I think make the most change and that's what we're trying to do is eradicate racism in our game and the NHL being the best league in the world. You know, I hope they, uh, I hope they support us through that. And, um, you know, I'm sure they will. Um, and I guess we'll see, um, in the coming discussions, uh, what that all might look like. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, one of the things that has fascinated me about the Alliance and, and how you guys came together uh, is the role that Colin Kaepernick played. And, and Akeem, maybe if we can start with you, but I'd like to hear from both of you on it, just what that experience was like and maybe some of the things that you heard from Colin that maybe surprised you or you didn't know or that were very helpful to you in deciding to step forward with this and i i just think it's such an interesting relationship that seems to have sprung up uh, uh very quickly uh yeah so um colin and i got together obviously we have the same representatives um so we got together um probably de- early december just shortly after um my my bill peter situation so we've we've kept them in, in touch we've at this point right now we're talking daily um but i thought it was important um to introduce him to the guys um obviously he he had a lot to do with the nfl players coalition and um so we just wanted to pick his brain um and talk to him a little bit about i don't want to say the mistakes he made but maybe what what turns he wouldn't have taken um with the league and with his whole situation and um i thought it was super informative um well, his biggest advice was just to stay united through all of this. We're going to be getting pulled in all different sorts of directions uh, for him as far as to stay united through this. And I mean, what, what caught me off guard a lot is uh, kind of what I said in the, in the athletic yesterday was the fact of how much he knew about hockey. Like the first thing he said on the call was you guys realize black people created hockey in Nova Scotia. So He's like, make sure, make sure people know that and make sure you touch on that. And that that's super important. So he was a great sounding board. And um, yeah, I thought that was a really informative and uh, a really good conversation. Yeah. Matt, what was it like for you? You, you live and play in an NFL city. What was it like to, to have uh, that kind of connection with Colin? Uh, Super cool, man. Um, Just to see how down to earth he was with us. Um, He stayed on like, couple calls that were really long too so i know this guy's a busy man so for him to take that time out of his schedule to talk to us and support us and our cause was just like it just meant the world to us so when this guy was talking you know it was all ears and um i know coming off the phone a couple of us talked to each other like you know you're kind of starstruck in a way but you know he was just so real with us and that unity that he talked about and kind of not letting us uh you know, be small minded in this at all, which I think none of us are. And we know how big this can be and how many people, um, you know, we can help and the change we can actually make. So we're, uh, we're going to go all out for this and, and work tirelessly, um, you know, towards that and, and, you know, um, reaching our goals. So, um, having his support, you know, that's, uh, that's huge, man. Cause I think like all of us, we, we've all followed his, uh, his career and, um, the steps that he's taken and uh, you know it's powerful stuff and um, 
it's super cool. We want to be, we want to be, um, you know, make a difference like he has. And before we let you go, uh, guys, thanks again for taking the time. Um, you know, I, I'm working on a story for the athletic, uh, that should, uh, be published in the next couple of days here. Um, on, uh, on First Nations, uh, hockey players, uh, both former NHLers, current NHLers, uh, had a very emotional interview with Ted Nolan. Um, because certainly as a Canadian, when I when we talk diversity, that's a big part of our history as well, right? And, um, and uh, I, I wonder, as your alliance is just starting out, like you said, it's just day three, but as it grows... Um, whether you know Akeem, you think it'll grow into uh, wanting to welcome uh, other stories as well. Uh, you know, in terms of trying to help out, you know, anyone that's been discriminated discriminated against, uh, you know, through hockey. Yeah, you know what? That's I'm glad you touched on that because, um, for me, for me, I feel like what Black people are going through in the United States or America is what Native people have been going through here for thousands of years as well um or hundreds of years um they're they're still going through a tough time with the 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 quality of life on the reserves and um the the suicide rates on the reserve i've done a lot of research on that um over the last couple months and um just from all the from all the laws kind of just now being broken about native children being given to white families and it's just really sad stuff and um for myself, um, that really touches me. Um, I feel like we need to do a lot for different uh, people from different races, genders. Um, like I said, to me, that's a, that's a, that's a sensitive subject. And to touch on your second point, we, we, we've had a lot of people reach out. Um, and current NHL superstars are reaching out, wanting to join our, our team. Um, and yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's going to grow. I think um, we need to get w- women involved too. And we've been in contact with some with some really spectacular and phenomenal women that have really achieved a lot in, in sports and in life in general. So um, I think for us in the, right now, what we're trying to do is just get off the ground and um, and get going. But we, we definitely have plan um, for women, for Indigenous. Um, we've spoken to a couple of people from the LGBTQ community. So we definitely want to be a, a welcoming um, uh, board. Um, and yeah, I think we want to touch as many people as we possibly can. Yeah, um, Matt, before we let you and Akeem go, I wanted to follow up on, on Pierre's question. How important is it to really take advantage of what is going on in society now and, and to make sure that this doesn't just sort of fade into the background and I wonder how important that is to you. You're in an NHL locker room. You're going to be going into a play-in round, hopefully later this summer. How important is it to make sure that these issues don't sort of slide off into the shadows? Yeah, I think it's super important. And um, you know, if we've learned from our past, um, you know, we can't we can't keep letting things um, be be pushed under the rug or you know turn the other way um we need to we need to attack these things and fight for what is right so um in my statement um that i released last week um that was one of the things i said and i know that that's what the hta stands behind is you know that commitment that long-term involvement that it takes to produce real change so i'm committed to that and you know i don't want i don't want um 
you know, George Flood to, you know, Dime Vein. Like, we don't want his name to ring loud for, you know, years to come and, and really make a difference. Um, I think, uh, I think our group and, um, a lot of, a lot of other people who are, um, who are wanting to be a part of it and, um, voicing their opinions right now. I think that's just got to keep going, got to keep the talks going. And that's what will, will actually produce uh, real change. Great. Um, Akeem, if I can just follow up, um, just before we let you go, I know we keep promising to let you go. No, no, it's all good. It's all yeah, good. I, I, you mentioned the the number of calls that you've received in the very short period of time since the, uh, since your group was announced. It, can you can you describe maybe if if things have surprised you and who's reached out or the the different groups or <laughs> types of people? What can you you know sort of give us a sense of what that's been like? Um. Yeah. So for me, for myself, it's been, uh, for myself, it's been a little, a little tough on that, on that side of things. And it's a hard question for me to answer when people ask, because it's hard to differentiate what, 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 what's authentic and what's not, um, if you will. Um, we've been trying to have these conversations for a long time and, uh, obviously going back to the Trevor Daly situation, um, going back to my original Wayne Simmons situation with the banana throwing incident going, and then going to my situation in November, um, it was kind of, yeah, we talk about it for a couple of days. As life gets going, it's it, you, it's something you forget. Um, so it it's nice. I feel like it's a good start for especially white players to come out and support. Um, we wish it, it, it would have happened a little bit earlier. Um, but I'm a positive guy, and I like to look at the positive things. I mean, I've been reached out to by uh by gms that have cut me um owners of a couple teams um all sorts of players in the league um uh max uh domi um look the list goes on and on um and and where i i'm i'm fortunate i think the group is super excited about some of the guys that they've had reach out to them privately as well like i mean the best players are the best in in the nhl and we're just hoping that they're actually on board for the cause and, and, and want to fight for change. Great. All right, Pierre, anything before we let uh, Akeem and Matt go? No, I, I I mean, listen, I just want to, you know, I think every hockey fan alive and all of us in, that make a living off hockey just want to thank you guys for your courage um, in taking these steps and opening our eyes. Um, you know, maybe it didn't happen as quickly as it should have especially after Akeem uh you know came out in November with his story but I think you guys would probably agree it's it's more important that it's finally happening yeah. period yeah. but uh it's uh I just want to thank you guys thank yeah. you thank you so much this was yeah. awesome appreciate it great guys. yeah so thanks again to Matt Dumbo of the Minnesota Wild and Akeem Aliu two founders of the Hockey Diversity Alliance for dropping by and I'm, I'm sure this won't be the last time that you join us or I hope it won't so uh, until next time thanks for coming to hang out with us all right my friend that was thank you for organizing that I like to give you the credit where it's absolutely due in, in helping to hook us up with uh, Matt and Akeem I, I, you, you mentioned this just as we were coming back but I'll ask it do you feel like we're sort of at a crossroads in terms of the history of the game and how it deals with race. I mean, are we, it, it feels like that. I wonder if we'll feel the same way in a year and look back on this conversation and, and see where things are at. But, 
what how do you feel about where we're at right now in in terms of the game and and what might be what might be the future of it yeah i i, I don't want to be naive but at the same time i i just do feel like we're, we're in something right now as a society that is so different than anything i've lived before um you know and, and i think the sport is recognizing it i mean i think to see so many hockey players come out of their comfort zone the last few weeks and say things and touch on a subject that they've never talked about publicly before is is a huge step and i get it i know there are cynics out there who say well you know this seems awfully convenient right now and we'll see where they are in months from now and and listen that's fair it's our job as journalists by the way to stay on this and um you know to make sure that this isn't a, a, a summer of 2020 story only but it doesn't feel like it to me i i, I do think there's a, a tidal wave happening here finally and uh that's a good thing yeah it, it was funny uh, and i'm curious about your take on it but i i thought it was interesting when um akeem and and the rest of the group announced the hockey diversity alliance and, and made it very clear that they were a separate entity that they weren't opposing the NHL per se, but they were that it was really important that they were a separate entity. And Akeem and Matt both addressed that. Um, but I, I do think it is important because, as you know, I talked to Kim Davis from the NHL last week, and and I I know the league has very ambitious plans to really confront and address the issue of inclusivity and racism in the game. But I think it's really important that, and I think this uh, alliance has the the, the the potential to be a very powerful group. I think it's. I think it's a healthy thing to have a group that isn't necessarily under the NHL umbrella, but you know, to offer a different perspective. I don't know if you feel that same way or how you think that relationship might work out. Is it as we move down the road? Yeah, I honestly believe it was the right way to go to start independent, and, and who knows, they may stay independent forever. But. What you don't want at any point, if you're really trying to bring change, and sometimes change can be uncomfortable, I don't think if you're the, the you know the alliance that you ever want to be in a position where uh, you, you you know you're being told not to say something, for example. So I think it is important, but it doesn't mean, as Akeem said, it doesn't mean they can't work with the league, which they clearly seem to want to do. So I, I think you may, you know, maybe there's a chance to have the best of both worlds here. I mean, I think the question is, from a practical point of view, is how does the alliance exert enough pressure on, on whether it's the NHL or other leagues or, just as importantly, minor hockey? How do you exert pressure to bring change? Um, you know, uh, and I think, again, that's where, um, you know, we'll see how all this plays out. But but I think, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful and... Uh, again, long overdue, but this this is something that clearly these young men have put a lot of thought into. Um, and it, it's amazing, by the way, that Colin Kaepernick has lended his voice to them. You know, I mean, if you really think about that, it's I'm sure Colin Kaepernick's phone is pretty busy these days. And and to for him to uh, it seems to me in a way have struck up a relationship here with Akeem Aliyu in particular. Uh, is is just a wonderful story. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we uh, wrap up, I, 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 you mentioned the piece you're working on on uh, on Native um, people in Canada, and the hockey community, and the very difficult time for a lot of uh, First Nations people across the, the country. It, it, what's that been like for you? Because it is something... Listen, you... You grew up in northern Ontario, and I, you know, I'm an I'm a an Ontario kid. Part of my youth hockey meant, uh, and youth baseball as well, um, meant playing uh, against First Nations teams. Uh, what's it been like for you? Maybe, you know, what's that been? You know, maybe what things have surprised you about your reporting on it? Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, it just, uh, it, the idea of writing the story, which frankly, again, this is part of my guilt and all this. I should have written this story years ago, especially given where I grew up. But, you know, I think what's happening in, in society has been such a, an awakening. And, and it was Jonathan Taze's Instagram post where he made a point of mentioning uh, First Nations while uh, supporting Black Lives Matter and it really struck a chord with me and I kept chewing on it to myself and saying where can I go with this and um, and so listen I have, I've had some wonderful interviews uh, I don't want to give it all away here I hope no, everyone reads it's the good piece tea. but it's uh, it, you know Ted Nolan in particular and everything he's gone through in his life uh, he's 62 now and um, he didn't hold back and he shared some things that he told me he's never shared before and, and it's heart-wrenching it's very difficult and, and just to give you you know you know he he you know he loved the game of hockey so much growing up but but in all honesty it became about survival in hockey rather than love for him because of the abuse that he took and um, but he did it because he knew that he was making a difference and 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 he really has. He's actually spoken to over 400 different uh, native bands over the years, all kinds of different First Nations communities with his hockey schools. And, and uh, in fact, Jonathan Chichu uh, was at a Ted Nolan hockey school when he was 12, and that had an impact on him. And of course, Jonathan Chichu goes on to score 56 goals one year with the San Jose Sharks. So, you know, I, I think it's about understanding the moment at hand understanding that as canadians we still have so much uh reckoning to do with uh what's going on with our with first nations uh in particular of course the hockey angle for me because that's what i do for a living and how the road in hockey is still unfair and still has racism uh for aboriginal youth in this country and of course going back to what we talked about with Akeem, the cost of playing hockey, that's a huge factor in those communities. And and so anyway, I get into all that in the piece, but uh, it's uh, I think it, it certainly um, fits in nicely with all these issues that we're talking about right now in society. Good. Well, good on you for taking it on, my friend, and look forward to reading it. And uh, let's uh, let's leave with a little hockey talk. Uh, this is uh, an interesting week. Uh, with the beginning of phase two, with the return to play um, protocols, really, I, for me, and I think uh, I, I, I think you agree, it, it's really the a very tiny step toward 
the much more intricate and involved steps of phase three, which will be the start of training camps um, for the 24 teams that will continue to play, hopefully this summer, uh, sometime in the middle of July. And then, of course, phase four, which is the actual competition on the ice and two hub cities as yet to be identified. It strikes me that there's still a lot of work to be done before we get to those points, phase three and phase four. Is that fair? What's your sense in the, in terms of the people you're talking to of, you know, what lies, lies ahead now that there are some players back on the ice in their home rinks? Yeah. So phase two has been, let's be honest, uh, kind of chaotic because every team is treating it a bit differently, uh, which was sort of the aim of it. I mean, phase two was really about what do the players need as opposed to, you know, what do teams need from the players, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, teams are basically, you know, have talked to their players about when they want the team facilities open. And, of course, if you do go that route, then it means testing and temperature checks and the whole protocol that is associated with it. So there's some teams for now that have found it easier to just skate informally on their own and not go through that. You know, I I think of the Hurricanes, those that are in Carolina are doing their own thing. The Blues have a bunch of guys skating on their own. So, you know, Phase 2 hasn't been for everyone. But some teams have taken advantage of it. I mean, you know, Toronto already has 20 players in town, so why not? So they've opened up. You know, Tampa Bay's opened up. A bunch of teams opened up. I I think it's it's interesting how everyone's reacted to it differently. But uh, the meat of this all, as you said, is starting now. They've started really negotiating the PA and the league as to what Phase 3 and Phase 4 have to look like and, and all the protocols. And the next couple of weeks are really going to be concentrated on those negotiations and ultimately a vote from the PA that's going to be fascinating. I mean, I keep repeating myself and I think a lot of fans either have chosen to ignore me or or don't care, but voting yes on the format is not voting yes to play again. The the vote the voting on playing again is coming. That's voting on phase 3 and phase 4. That's when we'll know if the majority of players want to play or not. Uh, depending on what phase three and phase four looks like. I suspect the answer will be yes, but uh, you do hear from some players that are concerned, uh, citing the you know health concerns, and as they should. Uh, but on top of all that, you've got the CBA, and there are CBA talks also happening right now. And as I mentioned on Insider Trading uh, yesterday, Scotty, you know, there are some who hope that maybe there's even a memo of understanding, an MOU in place by the time return to play kicks off. Can you imagine that uh, on a CBA extension? I don't know if that's being a little too aggressive, but the bottom line is there are CBA talks also happening right now. And that's important for players who need to know what's escrow looking like for the next couple of years, given the damage to the industry. So uh, maybe not as many headlines being made right now. It feels like a bit of a lull news wise, but the reality is behind the scenes, there's a ton going on between Phase three, phase four, and uh, and CBA. But just think, pal. In in a normal year, we would be well, we'd be just shy, just past the awarding of the Stanley Cup. You'd be pulling your hair out, getting ready for the draft and free agency. And uh, it 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 sure is a different looking calendar and a different looking. Um, you know, sort of just just the way things might unfold. It just uh, everything is on its ear, and I'm with you. It's going to be a fascinating time. Normally, we look forward to July 1st, um, 
you know, because that signals the the real start of the off season or whatever. We might be looking at at July first now. Is are we gonna are we actually going to see players voting to go back to training camp? And maybe there's a CBA. It just it's another signal of just how just how different our world is right now. Yeah. Well. I actually look forward to July 1st itself, Canada Day for once, because I'll actually be with my family <laughs> instead of being in a studio at TSN for eight, nine hours. Uh, that is a silver lining. Uh, yeah, free, the start of free agency won't be till who knows, October, November. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's certainly a game changer. But uh, yeah, we'll see what the next few weeks hold here, my friend. And before we go, of course, uh, there are other podcasts in the athletic universe that you should keep an eye on or an ear as it were how about ian cole of the colorado avalanche uh he spends the full 60 with craig custance this week on the athletic and chris thorburn chris thorburn former atlanta thrasher i spent a lot of the playoffs last year chatting with chris about his adventures uh, during his nhl career he joins barrett jackman and the athletics jeremy rutherford this week on we went blues at the athletic and as always, check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash two man advantage, you'll get 40% off your subscription. So you should go and do that. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Always feel better having uh, our conversations on Two Man Advantage. And uh, I hope you have a great day and excellent work by you as per usual. Right on, right on.